You are listening to a sermon from Gateway Foursquare Church in Campbell River, BC. We are so glad that you joined us today and trust that the Lord will speak a word directly to you as you listen. To learn more about Gateway, find out what's happening, or to give a gift online, check us out at www.gatewayfoursquare.ca. You are welcome to join us in person each week at 9 and 11 a.m. Now get ready. Here is this week's message. I have, I have found uh, over the years that we as Christians, um, we are somewhat cautious to fully explain to someone who does not know Christ what it's really going to entail to become a Christian. And uh, we think that, uh, well, that might scare them off if they really know the truth, you know, they'll never come. Let's just start with that first part there, that if you come to Jesus, a lot of your problems can be fixed. And that sounds really good. And then we say, you know, if you really want to serve Jesus good, you really need to get water baptized. What, where where where'd this come from? And if you really want to get spiritual, well, then, you know, we just keep going on and on down the line. And it's, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, parents of young children, you know, with those some assembly needed toys that are put together on Christmas Eve, you know, and then you know how at five o'clock when you're finally rolling in, you're going, dear Lord, please don't let those rugrats open, wake up early so that I can at least get a couple hours sleep, right? You know what I mean? You know, sometimes it's just like that, right? We don't realize that there is a, there is a, a lot to, uh, to the Christian life. And... Um, but, uh, and because the one thing that, that, that we all notice is that there is a difference between what the world looks upon and what Christians look upon, what, what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of, this, of the world says, me, my happiness, that's number one priority. That's exactly what I need, and that's what I'm going to take care of. And the Bible, then, and, you know, the kingdom of God says, consider it all joy, when you encounter various trials. That don't sound like a whole lot of fun. Well, okay, well, then uh, make money. That's a really good goal. Make money, you know, and have money for to save aside for, uh, for retirement, all this kind of stuff. And then the kingdom of, of God says, uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Slightly different. Or step over whoever you need to to get ahead because it doesn't matter. Just use people as stepping stones. They're, only, they're not in your way. They're just a stepping stone onto your next place. And, you know, and then we read in Scripture, it says, and the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then we go, well, you know, I cannot truly be happy unless I have everything that I want or need. And then we read, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I've been humble or living in prosperity. I've been full or going hungry, having abundance and suffering need. Okay, again, a little bit opposite. Okay, this one, we can't, you can't destroy this one. The five-year plan. We need to have our five-year plan locked down and loaded so that we can, we can, 
Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. It doesn't take long before we realize that, you know, all that we've learned before we accepted Christ is totally contrary to the way that God would like us to live. And it seems like it is so, like it is so, so different. And, um, and in actuality, we need to constantly be checking our motives because the enemy likes to bring them back to us and, and, you know, and, and thinking like that can start seeping in ever so easily. The devil isn't very smart, just so you know. He's not very smart, but he is persistent. Because if we notice, lots of times when we fail, we fail on the same things, right? He's not bringing something new into our lives to fail over. He brings the same old thing back and rolls it in front of you and going, wasn't this fun to play with? Let's do it all over again, right? So he's not smart. He's just persistent. So these ideas that, we, that, that God wants to root out of us, they can start seeping back in so quickly and, uh, and uh, we, we become that way so quickly. And uh, so, like, for instance, some people might think that um, baptism is just some goofy ritual that we perform on new believers to embarrass them. You know, like, what, else, what other purpose would there be, right? We want to see how committed they would be to get up in the front, get all wet, and come up out of the water. And, uh, but before we let them do that, we want them to confess in front of everybody their commitment to Jesus. You know, we just, we're really checking your commitment level on this one here. There's nothing really to it, but actually, no, baptism has a spiritual significance that is so great because the Bible talks about how we bury the old man. We bury what we, have, what we were before. We bury the world and all of its ideas, and we now align ourselves to Christ and to what he wants. So that's, that's the start of us starting to change is that, that thing that happens. Now, we all know that... Um, Sometimes that old man don't die all that easily. I don't know about I don't know about you, but I I have found that uh, that uh, that is you know, and um, you know it was said it was said in a black church one time that they were baptizing this fellow, and he was a little bit more of a hellraiser than than you just your normal person that had come to the Lord, and he was well known in that town. And he came there, and so they were dunking him, and after they put him down there, there was a little woman from the back said, Pastor, you better dunk him twice, because I'm not sure once is just going to be good enough. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I feel like uh, baptism for me wouldn't be a bad thing to happen every day. Just, let's, just keep this, let's just keep that guy down there. Let's just keep him buried under the water, because we don't really want that fella around. Uh, my, my father used to talk about when you talked about the old man, he said that you can always tell whether the old man is alive or not because it's whether you feel pain or you complain. So when, people, when someone says something to you, do you feel that 
or is that man dead and only the person of Christ is alive in us, right? Or, you know, do we, do we complain about, oh, I don't that's generally speaking, that's the old man, you see? So you can always tell our spiritual health right away how we react to those people around us, how much grace is flowing through us to those around us. We can tell right away how, how much that old man is, is around. And um, so when we uh, talk about being opposites of the world, then we talk about the way we operate around each other, right? And then how we operate around each other, we want that to transfer into how we operate to those around us in this world. That would cause people to, go, to take notice as to why are you different, right? Why, why are you, why you got a smile on your face? This is not good. This is not good. Why, do you, why, why are you happy in a case like this, right? And so um, uh, we, we want to, and uh, if we want to strive, we, you know, in the world it tells us, you know, we want to rise to the top. You know, we want to strive to be leaders. But if we follow what the scripture says, the scripture tells us that we are actually servants. And that's a totally different concept. We, want to, we wonder, being a servant is no way to the top. But, that's, but, but we quickly need to know that God's idea isn't for us to get to the top, and everybody can't be at the top. So we all need to learn how to be servants. You know, and uh, we look at Christ, and we see that in Matthew 20 and verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And before that, Jesus said, starting in verse 5, he talked about, you know how the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Quick way to monitor how we feel about this is if, if you know, we said, okay, who would like to be leaders? And who here would like to be servants? And uh, what did your heart say? Did your heart say, well, Steve said we should be servants, but leaders sounds much nicer? Is that what, you know, is that the first thing? That I know that's the first thing that comes into my head is, uh, yeah, that leader, that sounds much better, right? Because, you know, we have found that lots of leaders, they delegate everything and end up not doing, have to do too much, and that sounds really good, you know, but unfortunately, that, that's not really what happens. And uh, so a servant, you know, we go, oh, not, 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 not so much. Some of you may have, <coughs> have heard me tell, this, tell the story before, but it fits in my sermon, so you get to hear it again if you did, and first-timer, good for you. There, we lived in Ontario, and uh, there was a, a church down in Detroit, and it was Bethesda Temple, and um, back, back in, the, in the 40s, some of you may not know, but there was a world-renowned revival in North Battleford, Saskatchewan that was called Ladder Rain. Some of you may not know, there was revival in Canada? People from all the world came? Yes, yes, they did. Now, and in Saskatchewan, in the middle of the bald-headed prairie almost? Well, it's actually by North Saskatchewan River, so it's very pretty up there. But anyways, uh, you know, things went to, as, as what happens, you know, man starts getting involved and starts thinking that they can help God out with his revival and things start going a little sideways and things went a little sideways. But before they did, 
Mama Beale came up and drove up from Detroit to North Battleford, and they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they went back down. And things started happening in that church, and they went from, she started it out as a Sunday school in her home. They went to, quickly went to, um, uh, to be very, very large and keep growing, growing, growing. They, uh, and they only, they only built their church as they had money. But on some Sundays, they would let people know that uh, we have a bill coming due tomorrow that we really need there. And people would literally come, and they had a, a, a thing across the front, like a prayer, like a, some of you, there's a little, a little stub wall in some churches, you know, there's a little prayer, lean up there, so you've got a nice place to lean and pray, because they used to have, they spent a lot of time in the presence of God. So they had that thing there, and people would come up, and they'd empty their pockets over that thing, and the bill would be paid on Monday. In the middle of World War II, that church got a steel I-beam that they needed because they were building a sanctuary for a few thousand people, in, in, and there was no steel to be had because any steel that was around went into the war effort, but God said, uh-uh, not this one, this big, I can't remember, it was 100 and some odd feet long of this thick I-beam, and that was delivered to their, to their place. God said no. So they saw a lot of miraculous things. But one thing, the thing that I left there with <clears throat> was that they had a spirit of being a servant in that church to the point that there were Ford, Chrysler, GM executives that served in their thing. They, they, had, they had their sanctuary, and then they had a big gymnasium on the side. They would serve food for everybody, but nobody went up and, and did it and served it. It was like a restaurant. You were served your plate. They came around, and they filled your water. They filled your coffee if you drank coffee, all that kind of stuff. It was like being at a restaurant, and people from their church volunteered, took days off of work so they could do that. They, you could not just be a servant in their church. You had to go through a training course on how to be a servant. And there was a waiting list for the next class. Amen. Now, isn't that, a weird, isn't, isn't that the weirdest thing you have ever heard of? When you walked into that church, if you didn't get glad-handed by between 6 and 12 people, something was wrong. And it wasn't an assembly line that just caught you, you know, like you were at a wedding, right? And saying hi to everybody as you go down the line. No, they would just interject with you all over the place. You were welcome when you came to that place. They knew all about servants. They knew what it was like to be a servant. They knew that it was an honor in that church to be a servant. Because we don't let just anybody be servants. We want you to be a, serve, a true servant when it came to serving things in, in that way. Now, the, uh, the Greek word for slave is, is doulos. And uh, uh, some of you may know that there are a couple of ships that cruise this world and they are medical ships, and people volunteer on there, and one of the ships is called Dulos, which is a very good name for that ship because they perform 
surgeries on people that you know can't afford it. So many people, so many kids around this world have cleft palate. We don't see any kids walking around with cleft palate, but there's kids, you know, all ages walking around with cleft palate all over this world because they can't afford a surgeon just to fix a simple procedure like that. So there's so many things. So it's a it's a very good it's a very good thing, but the Dulos is such a good name for that boat. I, I really liked that when I heard that name. And uh, but Dulos in the Greek it means a slave, a bondsman a man of servile conditions. And if we look at it metaphorically, it means one who gives himself up wholly to another's will. In Galatians 1.10, when it says bondservant, it refers to those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his call among men. And it can also mean devoted to one another to the disrespect of one's own interest. Now, did you know that's what you signed up for? You know, that, that, that's like taking so many steps backwards. Like, I've just lost all this that I tried to get to this point. And, uh, and I'm, I, you know, we can say, oh, I wasn't so sure that I signed up for itself. Um, some have said that, you know, salvation is free, but everything else will cost you. And not only that, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you your time. It'll cost you your money. It'll cost you your life. And uh, where was that in the small print? I missed that one. I missed that one. Uh, the uh, the uh, term bond servant uh, came from, if you owed money, you didn't get to claim chapter 13 or bankruptcy like we, like we do now. You got to indenture yourself to whoever you owed money to and became a slave until that money was paid off. That's, that's uh, slave wasn't necessarily a bad term. It was just the way that, that one covered their debts. We might spend money a little differently if that was still the case today. But uh, anyways, uh, but, a but a servant who had done their time and they had paid off their debt but had grown to love their master so much and had um, uh, decided that they wanted to stay there for the rest of their life, they would go and they would put the ear against the, against the side, side post of the door and they'd put an awl and a hammer and they'd punch a hole in your ear, and that let everybody know that you were a free man, but that you had chosen to be a servant to this man for the rest of your life. I was driving to work this, this week, and uh, I just got oh, like holes in your ear, oh, like, like earrings. And then I go, oh, like that could actually remind me when I put earrings on or I fiddle with my earrings or whatever, that those holes there, should we, maybe, maybe those could remind me that I am a bondservant to Christ. Now, I have no biblical authority on that, and if you don't want to believe that, you don't have to. For those that you are they're worried that you don't have, you know, earrings, I did bring a block of wood and all and a hammer, and we can take care of you after church. But barring that... You know, but I think it's just a good little reminder to us of, of that who's, who's we belong to, right? 
In the Old Testament, earrings spoke of listening to the voice of God. People who had their ears pierced meant that their ears were tuned to the voice of God. So there's lots of things that, can, that it can mean, but maybe it can mean this, or maybe it was just for me, or maybe it was bad coffee. But anyways, you know, you can do whatever you want, but I didn't find that in Scripture. I can't give you chapter verse for that. So if Jesus is our example, you know, the first example that we see, we see that in John chapter 5, Jesus starts talking about in verse 19 and going all the way through to verse 32, he talks about the Son of Man can do nothing of himself unless it is something that he sees the Father doing. So very first, that's, the first, that's our first thing as being, of being a servant is that we don't start much. We listen to the voice of God as to what as to what what He wants, and that's what we do. He didn't He didn't think that that His humanity was that great that He could just go. Well, you know, I'm God's anointed. I can go out and do do this and do that. No, no, no. He didn't do anything that He didn't see the Father doing. And uh, um, you know, and the one thing that has always stuck in my mind was you know at the at the Last Supper when He washes their feet. And again, that was always done in a home by the lowest servant. Because to wash the dust, you know, you can, you can imagine walking around and uh, all you had on was sandals on your feet. There was no socks and shoes like we have. So, you know, and you walk for a while and it's quite warm. And so, you know, dust and sweat turns into mud, which is not nice. And so you can imagine that that was a very wonderful job. All of us would automatically volunteer for that because of how much fun that would be right but yet Jesus showed that even though he was going to die on the cross he showed them once they caught the spirit of what it meant to be a servant they were trying to oh Jesus let me let me let me do it let me do it let me do it right you know if we have if there's a person showing us a good how to be a good servant then we go you know that yeah, I could do that. I can. I, I don't mind being a servant. You know, when somebody when somebody, you know, mentors it in the proper way, then we do want to become servants, right? It's it's very more more happen that time. A very popular buzzword these days is boundaries. And um, I'm not sure about that word. You know, it doesn't quite it doesn't sit with me. This is just me talking. Okay, you don't have to. Does a servant have boundaries? Do we see Jesus setting boundaries? Is boundaries another way of establishing my own kingdom? So these are questions that come to me. I don't have the answer for these because... I just don't at this point. I'm just, I just think about these things. And so it just doesn't set, it just doesn't set right with me. So uh, it's like for, like for myself. I, I, I uh, rarely like the taste of alcohol, but if I do drink alcohol, in the back of my mind is, if God was to say something to me, and to tell me to go speak to that person, is my mind in a clear enough state that I can go do that? See, so if, if, we, start act, if we start living our life as to, 
I am a servant. God can call me anytime he wants. He can wake me up out of a sleep if he wants for me to pray for someone or to do something else. If that can happen, then we need to be like the 10 virgins and be keeping our stuff ready at all times. We don't want to get ourselves into a place that we cannot hear the voice of God. That's just my, that's my outlook. I, again, I can't tell you that this is what, but I'm just looking at, if I look at it from the part of being a servant, then I always have to be ready to perform my servant duties. I have no other choice. It wasn't, it wasn't something I even had a choice in. When the master of the house called, servants came running. They didn't say, I'll be there in 15. They didn't say, uh, my alarm didn't go off yet. It's not six o'clock. I don't have to get up yet. We didn't hear, we didn't hear any of that, right? And uh, so, you know, two things here can happen. You can either believe what I'm saying or God can tell you that Steve Fuller guy is full of hot air and don't believe a word he says and that's all fine. But I do challenge you to at least pray about that. See what God says to you about whether boundaries are a good thing or whether we have, you know, this kind of stuff. You just, that, I leave that up to you. So I, I saw something yesterday that was so good. This one guy, they, this lady had a question. She says, uh, and uh, she was talking to the pa- pastor, and she says, and by what authority do you? He says, oh, I have none. I have none. He says, that's why I don't even like titles. He says, the only authority, the only authority you'll, find, you'll, you'll find is that the scriptures say that they have authority. So if I preach something from the, from the Bible that has authority, you have to follow the authority of the scriptures, but you never have to follow anything I say, so I'll give that one to you too. You don't have to follow anything I say if you don't want to, but if God does speak to your heart, then you, you have to answer to him, not to me. Jerry Cook wrote a book, A Few Things I Learned Since I Knew It All. I don't know about how about you, but I feel like that sometimes. I feel like I know less about God than I did when I came out of Bible college. I thought I knew it all then. I had the word by the tail. We were going to change things. And all these people that were preaching the wrong stuff, I was going to correct them all, show them the the error of their ways, and I was going to show them the truth that I had learned. And now I go, oh, God, I know so little about you. And and you you just find out the more you know God, the, the bigger that he becomes, and you go... The more I know, the less I know, right? It just seems to be, it just seems to be that way. And uh, so we always need to be willing to, to change and to, and to learn. And, uh, you know, I, I used to be really, if you think I'm a little dogmatic now, I used to be really dogmatic. You know, I am mellow. I am so mellow compared to me in my 20s. You guys wouldn't have even liked me then, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it, but, but we all have to be prepared to change because, you know, we don't all have it. And if somebody comes up with a, with a, better, a better interpretation, then we have to go, oh, what's wrong? With, is, is there something wrong with mine? Or does we need to fall someplace between our two? Because you need to change a little bit. I need to change a little bit. You know, we just, we just don't know. But um, we can also look at, at Paul. And he was a great example of what it means to be a bondservant. Paul did whatever was needed to preach the gospel. He did not care. And we see that not all of the consequences of preaching the gospel were really good. And part of of what we have to accept is that 
even though we live in North America and we are fairly fortunate, that's not always the way. A fellow was over in, uh, in China not too long ago, and uh, he was, uh, they went way off into the mountains, they went way off into the mountains, and, and, they had, and he, he was hosting a seminar, and he was, he was speaking at it, and they were, thought they were so privileged to have a, a person from the United States there. And uh, so then, then uh, they got, then he goes, um, so what would happen if we got discovered here? And he goes, well, you'd be put on a plane back to the United States right now, and all the rest of us would be in prison. And we'd spend the next three years there. And so he said, so how many of you have spent time in prison? Except two. They had spent at least three years in prison for the gospel. He told them he had brought some Bibles over there, and he taught them, and he was, gonna, he was, gonna, he was going to uh, speak out, out of Second Peter, I believe it was. And so this one lady passed her Bible on to another. And, so, and has, as the scripture was read, this lady was saying every word because she had memorized that. She says, oh, in prison you have so much time to memorize God's word. They can't take that away from you. Totally different attitude than, 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 than what we have. You know that, and that's what it takes, to, that's what it takes for the gospel. We have to be not, not so concerned about ourself. We have to be not concerned about our circumstances around us as much as what is God calling us to do? How does God want us to serve? But, you know, us servants can sometimes look around And for instance, we see, we see in, in um, Ephesians when it talks about the, the fourfold ministry. Some of you think it's five, but it's actually four because an apostle is a sent one. You're not an apostle unless you're sent. So if somebody comes, you know, if one of us, you know, and we have, it's quite prevalent in North America and they're using the term wrong. I am an apostle so-and-so. no. In a church, if you're not sent, if you're in, just in a church, you might be functioning in some other ministry in that church. You don't become apostle until you're sent. So if you ain't leaving here, we don't have to call you an apostle. Until when, when, when in Antioch, when they said, you know, it seems good to me, send Saul, Paul and Barnabas and send them, right? They became apostles at that, at that moment. And then there's prophets. Well, we know what a pro, most of us know what a prophet is. And, uh, you know, they have, everyone can prophesy, but there's an office of a prophet, right? And there's, there's, then there's evangelists, right? And they just have a hunger to see people saved and, and, and infuse people with that, right? And then there's pastors who should be apt to teach. And in the Greek, there's a hyphen there. So it's a, a pastor is a person who should be able to teach. It just helps if that's the case. So then it's kind of like four and not five. If you want to separate it for yourself, you do whatever you want. But as servants, we can look around and we can say, you know, well, I'm a prophet, but I would really think it, I'd be better off as an apostle. So, you know, an apostle, it seems nice. Yep, yeah, be an apostle, see the world. But you never get to sleep in your own bed, eh? you know. Some of us, our own bed is really comfortable. But if you're an apostle, you don't get to do that, right? No, I want to be a prophet. 
That's what I want to be. I, I, I want to be a prophet. I don't like what I am. I want to be a prophet. I want to hear from God. I want to deliver messages to his people. But then I've also found that prophets, they can kind of read people a little bit. But that can be a source of frustration for them. Or they can see what God sees you like. And then they go, man, that takes a long time to happen. And they can be so impatient. Prophets can be very impatient because they see so far and they don't see the distance in between. And they can get impatient that this is taking too long. This process is taking too long. So you might not want to be a prophet neither. Well, I, I, then I could be an evangelist. I could be somebody like Billy Graham. You know, I could, I could you know, uh, preach the gospel and I could have lots of people come to know the Lord. And uh, that would be such a great thing. But then, you know... Evangelists, they kind of get like, do you not see all those people out there dying without Christ? Are, are you guys aware that this is going on? You guys are sitting in this seat right now. Are you aware? They, can, they, they feel it so much that they can become frustrated with the body because they don't have the same passion that they do. But an evangelist's job is also to stir up the passion within God's people to do that. So we need to be stirred up. Or, you know what? Oh, pastor, that would be so good. Work one day a week. <laughs> preach on Sundays, and that's all you have to do. Yeah, that, so, that would be so good, you know? You know, the Bible talks about binding up the wounded. Yeah, I could do that. I could put bandages on people, you know, and do that. But then, you know what? You have to deal with me <laughs> and you on a daily basis every other day except Sunday, because on Sundays, you've all got your best behaviors on. <laughs> but it's the Monday through Saturday that makes the, that makes, you know what, and, and really Matt left here with not very many gray hairs, really. You know, we did, we did not too, too bad. But we could say that, right? We could say that, that, you know, we wanted something else. But you know what? God will give you grace to serve where you are. And if you continually look around at how other peoples are serving and how God has distributed his giftings among other people, we will always be very, very frustrated. And God doesn't want us to be. God created you to be exactly who you are. He did. Now, I also believe that some of us are not there yet. Right? I, I, I think all of us will agree. You know, I believe that we need to be bold. If you are all not bold, you're not there yet. Because the gospel was always preached with boldness. It was always shared with boldness. So if we are not all bold, we have some work to do yet. God has some work to do on us yet, right? We can't work on ourselves. Let's just give it the credit who needs to go to. It's God. God has not finished working with us if we are not all bold yet. So there's all these things that we can learn that uh, we want to be do, to do and... Uh, we, we, we don't want to uh, be looking at other people and getting that way. And uh, so if we look at being a servant, we, you know, we can start saying, well, so far, Steve, you have not done a very good job of selling this. Because so far, it don't sound like uh, there's no glory, there's no adulation, and the pay sucks. So, so far, you haven't really sold this you know, on a way that really appeal that really appeals, and uh, but I will let you in on a little secret: is that everybody can be one, 
doesn't matter how far you are along the way in Christ, you can be a servant wherever you are. So that's one good thing. We all qualify. And then the second good thing is, is that true happiness is only found in doing what we were called to do. You will only truly be happy doing what Christ has called you to do. You are not going to be happy. You, you think it's frustration. No, no it's frustration because I ain't got enough money. No, it's frustration because I ain't got... No, no, that's not what the majority of our frustration is. The majority of our frustration is, is that we're not living what God has called us to live. That's the majority of our frustration. And if you want to break it right down, I believe that that's what it is. So a church, which you know is referred to as a body there, we need all members functioning. We need all members serving one another. We do not survive if we do not, if we do, not do this. Now, I know that um, Gary X. Paxson said that, you know, of all the body, he's the armpit. And some of us may not want to be an armpit, but, but you know, a body's always got two, generally speaking. So you know what I mean? So it doesn't matter what part we fill. There's always a part to fill. And, uh, but we also know that if we do not give of the gifts that God has given us, our, there will be people in our body who are not healthy. Right? They are not healthy. We can be healthy. We can do that. It's all great. No, but if we are not giving of ourselves, if we are not serving one another, there are going to be people in our body that are, that are suffering. They are not moving in you know, how God would like them to move. Paul talked about a race many times because the Olympics had started back in them days, and so, you know, they, they knew of athletic contests. And so he talked that there's a race, there's a race to win. But, I, but, but you know, there's also... Uh, my mom would not let me play football my first year high school. So I had to run cross country because I wasn't going to just do nothing. So I ran cross country. Now that is twofold. That is, there is a first, second, third winner of the race, but there's also a first, second, third of the team and how you all place as a team. So you, so when you go on and you win this competition, you can go on. You can go on as a single individual if you finish in the top three. You can go on as a team if your team finishes in the top three. So, you know, so everybody wants to improve. So you as, uh, if, if you're down there and you see one of your teammates and, the, and you don't, you can, you, lots of times what, what would happen was that they would run in a pack and, and the person would try to set the pace for them. The, the best runner would try to do their best to set the pace for them. And then, well, it's not all good, all, all's coming in right here because there's a whole bunch of people from other teams ahead of us. And so at a certain point of the race, people start spreading out and they yell encouragement to the last guy who's generally the slowest guy in going, keep her up, bud, we know you got it. You just bring her in there. Get ahead of, when you, when you see that finish line, run for all you're worth and get ahead as many people as you can because you never know. That might be the guy that gets us to win, right? And then all the rest of the team would take off in their spots and they would, and they would finish the race. But we need to look at it like we don't finish the race until our last person has come across that line. We're only as good as our weakest person. If we are called a body, 
you know it doesn't it doesn't matter that this lathe can run really fast if this one's if this if you got to drag if you've got to drag this one this one can only go so fast you can go like this all day long but it's not helping you move faster because this lake still needs to be pulled along right so we need each other and the body needs each other and we we just it it, it can't happen any other way so the lord has been very direct this morning have you noticed that everybody got up here so if your feet are a little sore put your steel toes on okay because here we go we're family and family can talk about serious issues right and i'm not saying there's serious issues in this church i'm just saying that we can talk bluntly about some things and nobody's going to get their feelings hurt because your old man's all dead right Right? Right? Okay, good. So, um, you know, like being part of a family, sometimes it's smooth sailing and it's happiness and it's joy, and sometimes it isn't. And, uh, and the Bible says that we should speak the truth in love. So with all the love I can muster, here goes. This is what, this is what, I've, this is what has come to me. Some ways that we can serve better. First of all, we can pray for the body. It sounds simple, but it is so easy. We can lift every person in this body before the Lord. We have church directories. If you can't remember everybody's name, pick up a church directory. I know lots of people who pray through the church directory. And it's a good thing. And you know what? And when you get to my name, you might not even want to pray for that guy. But I'll tell you another thing. If you do pray for me, your perspective might change on me. It could happen. One of two things could happen. First of all, you're talking to my boss, right? Right? So my boss would have a little chat with me about the trouble I'm causing, right? Or you may, or God may say, you know what? They're not, he's not that bad. He does that because of this. Do you think you could give him some grace for that until I'm, until I'm able to fix that in him? Do you think you could? See, one of two things is going to happen. Both are going to be positive, right? Both are going to be positive no matter, which, no matter which way it goes. So we could pray for each other, and, uh, and prayer will at least change perspective. Right? It'll, it'll, it, will, uh, it will give us a more positive outlook on each other and what God is wanting to do. And you can't help, but you start praying for somebody and it starts rising and you saying, God, raise up what you have in that person. Raise it up in them. May they be the man, may they be the woman that you have created them to be. That starts, starts rising up in you. So prayer will change things really quickly. Second thing we can do, we can ask God to show us how we can serve this body. And we can actually look for ways to serve. Big difference between asking God the other way there, but you know, looking and getting at it is a little bit different thing. Now from what I have, no <clears throat> from what I have noticed, Matt and Deanna were servants. And uh, 
but they've left. So they ain't here no more. And uh, if you know if you know Peter and Tanya, you know that they also have servants' hearts. But there is a there is a downfall to that to them being servants, and 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 I'll tell them what their downfall is, and, and they already know it. But their downfall is, is that a servant doesn't like telling another servant what to do. So therefore, that servant does everything while the rest of us stand around having a good time. Have you ever noticed that? I just let me know if you notice that. But it can happen so quickly. Someone asked, someone asked, we, we, we were joking, but somebody says, so who is going to adjust the chairs now that Matt's not here? Right? I said, don't worry. There will be some OCD person that will not be able to handle how the chairs are and will take over that ministry. So we are looking for that OCD person to take care of that. No, just kidding. But no, so, uh, you know, God has all these things for us to do. Now, the other thing that happens, though, if we do not fall into line and if we do not start serving to a greater capacity, may I just say that, we all can serve better, okay? You might think, oh, I'm doing an awful lot now. That's the old man rising up, just so you know. When you said, I can, I can, I'm doing lots already, um, I'm going to tell you, pretty much guaranteed that's the old man rising up, okay? Because we can never do too much for the kingdom of God, okay? I, I think that's a pretty obvious one. But if, if, if we allow people who are quick to serve, quick to do whatever, then what happens is that they burn out. We fry them. They're in the loony bin for a little while. They don't know what's going on. No, and, they, you know, we, we, we can do that. And we do not want to do that to one another because then now we have an unhealthy person that we need to raise back up again instead of just we all... Does, just a quick side. Does anybody know... What happened to the dishes after last Christmas banquet? Does anybody know what happened to the dishes? There are a couple people that know what happened to the dishes. Most of us went home unaware that somebody came, that some people came back the next day and spent over six hours in the kitchen washing those because we enjoyed a good supper the night before. I'm not mad. Just so you know, I'm not mad. I don't care. But it just brings, it just shows us that there are things that can get dropped in cracks so fast. I'll guarantee that this year I will make sure there's a list up for Christmas banquet so we all get to serve one another in love, right? But it's, it's a small thing. But every time something happens in our body, there's a chance to serve. Every time we have coffee, there's a chance to serve. Every time we bring stuff to a potluck, you get a chance to serve, right? There, just, just think about it. Think, you know, we just need to come with servants' minds when we come to these things. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, we need to go. We need to think. Uh, guess what? I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve, and uh, things quickly change, and and uh, everybody has a much more enjoyable time. There's nobody whose old man rises up. You know, we won't have that anymore. 
No more. Don't forget, salvation was free, everything else costs. But, you know, it's so easy to fall into the, I was here on Sunday, I gave my tithe, now shut up and leave me alone. Right? We can get into that, I did my duty. I did my duty, I'm done. Well, did we do our duty? The Bible talks about serving God all week long. And an accountant took a look at the Old Testament and tithing, tithing on first fruits, all the rest of this kind of stuff, he figured that the Israelites were giving approximately 50% of their income to God. Are we all tithing? No, we're not, right? We're giving offerings, basically, right? So if we want to get technical about it, if, if you want to believe in tithing from the Old Testament, there you go. The New Testament talks, doesn't talk about tithing, if you want to be honest. The New Testament talks God owns everything, and as there is a need, we give to that need, right? So therefore, when we give, what we need to be doing is, God, how much do you want of your money today? That's an easier way, that's an easier way to do it. I don't know how much it's going to end up that you're going to give, but, you know, but uh, let's just let's say, God, what do you want? So there's, there's things that we, can, that we can do that. Folks, God said that uh, he wants us to be better servants. And if you're still wondering what to do, ask Tanya. I'm sure she's got some suggestions. Number three, drop the attitude. Because we all need to do this, myself included. I, I, I can have a DRA just like anybody else. You know what a DRA is? A dirty, rotten attitude. If you have a DRA, that's not good. You don't like those. We can, all, we can all do that. But, you see, if the old man's dead, then we're not going to have as much trouble with this drop in the attitude, this. And what it really means is that there is no job that is beneath us. Oh, I'm much too important to be lifting chairs. Do you know, if you can lift the chair, it's your duty. How about, how about we just say that? If, if you're healthy enough, praise God, to lift a chair, you can move a chair. It's not, that's not my ministry. God's called me to a teaching ministry, and I don't move chairs because that's beneath me. No, no, we don't get to pull that card. We just don't, we just don't. No matter who we are, we just don't get to pull that card because we need to be servants. And the Bible talks about doing the little things, be faithful in the little things. And um, so there's three. Thank you. And here is the last one. What was the first one? Pray. Second one. Pardon? Yeah. And then, yeah, then we need to ask God. Ask God. Number three was? Right there. Drop the attitude. So finally, here we go. I'll let you off, I'll let you off the hook after, the, after this one. And that is, the Bible says that if we are to be exalted, it is God that does the exalting. 
faithful servants are exalted. It says that uh, if we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. But the humble, God will exalt. And it's not that we're looking for, you know, some high place. It's not, it's not what we're doing. But just don't think that what you're doing is not going to be recognized. God recognizes a servant's heart. God honors a humble person. That's what God is, look, is looking for today. And, uh, and, but, you know, the one funny thing about it is that, is that even when God exalts you, you don't stop being a servant. Right? We, we, just, we just don't. And uh, um, you will just be exalted into a role of more duties of being a servant too. Or being a mentor to other people to show them that this is how we serve in this body. That's, what we, that's, that's all you get, got, get exalted to. And, uh, you know, there are some who, you know, because the Bible, let, let's be honest, the Bible also talks about, well, I feel called, right? You know, the, how, how we do that. You know, and generally speaking, that means full-time ministry that's on a paid staff because we're all called to full-time ministry. Amen. Doesn't matter where you are, you're, we're all called a full-time ministry, but a paid position, generally speaking, you know, we, we're thinking that God has a call on our life. First Timothy 3 tells us, though, that there are a bunch of ducks that need to be in a row before you qualify, and you don't get to get all those ducks in a row before you learn how to serve to get all those ducks in a row. So we have not generally just said, oh, brother, you got saved last week. Would you like to preach next Sunday? We have generally just not done that. And why? Because we don't know what's going to be preached next Sunday. It could be good, but it could be bad. It could be, you know, it was the, uh, like I'm thinking, there was a couple examples. There was one, one time there was a, Former pastor of ours, they were in a church in Kamloops, and this guy was not, hadn't been, hadn't, I don't know whether he's just a new believer, kind of thing like that. But anyways, they were having an, a, an, a service after on a, sun, on a Sunday night, and they were having some prayer time, this one guy, and they laid hands on him, and the Holy Spirit bumped. What the hell was that? You know? <laughs> I saw, saw another, bap, saw another, saw a baptism not too long ago, and they were talking about it, and the guy talked about, about, uh, yeah, I really need Jesus because I, I, I lived a shitty life he talks about before, right? There's some, there's some truth that happens on, on there, you know? They might share some truth, but it might not be in the way that, you know, we, want, we, uh, we need to hear that, right? So, we, you know, so these are all things that we learn by being servants, that we, can, that we, that we learn, I, I can do this, I can do that, and as, as, as life goes, and then, and then uh, you know, to... Just like with the talents, as to them who is who has uh, been faithful in those things, we get we give more. We gladly give more responsibility to people. We do. We're happy to do it, but it doesn't get us out of anything ourselves. James, can you uh, come and play, please? Part of the way. And it's already been, mentioned, already been mentioned this morning, but part of the way that we serve each other is to pray for each other. 
And uh, sometimes that happens by God revealing things to his people to speak or to pray into other people's lives. And if this is a way that you minister in, then can I, can I encourage you that when you come here on, on a Sunday morning that you are actively seeking God for how you are to, how, how your ministry, how your gifting is to work that morning? And maybe God will have something for you. But, it, you know, but we want to come prepared. Or maybe you want to say, well, you know what, God, I, I would like to break out into that. So why don't you seek God for that? And say, God, I want to be a better servant. And I want to help those around me. I want them to be ministered to. Those who need ministry, and I want them to be ministered to. We don't want anybody to go, here, go away from here carrying the same stuff that they brought here. We would just like to go away with a, with, a, with a clean slate. So if that's you, God will give you a word of encouragement. He'll give you a word over them. He'll give you something to pray for them. Secondly, the Bible says that we have not because we ask not. God deals with things through prayer. It doesn't seem like, uh, you know, always maybe the best way of doing it, but that's just how God has decided it's going to be. If you pray, I will answer. So if we ask, God can work. If we don't ask, we haven't even asked him his opinion on the matter. So sometimes our pride or the enemy will tell us that uh, don't, don't bother nobody with that. That's just something you, you and God can handle on your own, right? Right? That's just a lie of the enemy. If we come humbly before each other, God will start doing things. So we have always had people up front, and today it is the Prescotts. They are going to be up front today. And if you would like that, then you make sure that you come up because we do not want to leave people walking out of, you know, church is like a hospital. We don't want you walking out of here with bloody gashes and bleeding all over the carpet as you're leaving out, out of here. We want you to be touched. You may know that there are other people around here, neighbors, somebody that you're comfortable in this body with, then you then go to the go to those around you because everything doesn't have to happen up front God is able to work all over this place but he does want to do that so if you guys would come forward and God bless you and um, let's just if you want prayer come forward if there's somebody else that uh, you want to pray with you do that if God's given you a word for somebody then be then honor that and 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 go Thanks for joining us today. We trust that the Lord has something great in store for you. Do you have a question or a prayer request? Send an email to info at gatewayfoursquare.ca or find us on Facebook at GatewayCR. Don't forget we gather each Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at 403 Fifth Avenue here in beautiful Campbell River. Have a great day.